Welcome to Coffee and Tea with Dustin. This is episode 30. I'm here with my partner in life, Chad Sloan. Hello, everybody. <laughs> How are you feeling today, Chad? Well, I'm recovering currently uh, after a hellacious, uh, holistic personal training um, workout uh, that brought me to the edge. Um, it was uh, snatches, swing snatches. Uh, battle rope and bike. We uh, went back and forth. Was it going to be an imam, imam every minute on the minute or rounds? We decided on rounds. We were a little ambitious, I think, on the number, but we uh, got an intense, complete workout in that uh, had us laying on the ground for like a good solid 20 minutes after we were finished, <laughs> which is a great feeling. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was exceptionally taxing. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was challenging. That bike, <clears throat> that bike will take you to the edge. That's why I love it. No. <laughs> it's potent, you know. It's very potent. It doesn't take long on it, especially if you're giving max effort. Yeah, and uh, I always find myself like I have to go for like a little walk. I'm glad we were doing rounds because if we were doing an imam, I don't, even, I don't know if we. Well, we we actually when we decided to do the rounds, we upped the calories on the mm-hmm. bike, so. Uh, I always like to go for a little walk, <laughs> contemplate the world, my life. Yeah. After I finish the bike, I usually walk down to the mailbox and back. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I feel most alive when I get off the bike. You're very aware of living and then also death. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> the presence of both. There's something great about it. Yeah. I mean, it's rough. It's uncomfortable, yeah. but I also love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's 20 cool. calories is a. That's a long. We did it for a time. Yeah. You're going as hard as you can. You kind of peak out at about 15, 20 seconds, and then it's like just trying to keep the power output as high as possible. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, like, when you're when you're fresh, when you first start, when you're the first round. You know, I was able to, you know, do 20 calories in, like, low 20s, you know, and 20 seconds, get that many calories in, and then by the third round, it just... It's humbling, isn't it? Yeah. Starts creeping up 30 seconds, 40 seconds, 45 seconds. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm glad we did it. it makes uh, the rest of the Saturday pretty, pretty easy, pretty laid back. You feel so much better after getting it in, especially a hard one like that that really, and they don't always have to be that way, but I think it's good. To, we were both fresh this morning and slept really well. So it was good to push it. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. That's the best time to take advantage of those high readiness scores and coming off a good night of sleep and man it's like a real it's a real treat it really is to be able to, to be nice and fresh and be able to you know get a great yeah. super taxing workout in our aura ring aura ring aura aura I don't know. aura it's one of those fake marketing words that they made up yeah aura uh, so that we were both in uh, tip top shape today yeah. I didn't 90 Two and you had an eighty-nine. I think I had an eighty-four. Eighty-four, right? Yeah, which is really high for me. I rarely your your readiness is always better than mine. It seems like you're always you recover better. The uh, yeah, I'm like creeping back. I've been I think hanging around in the eighties, which you know when I first started keeping track of it, I was always in the nineties. Then I think uh, the stress of the world and stuff has kind of knocked me down a little bit keeping me in like the high 70s and 80s mm-hmm. 
Uh, Isn't that, that's super interesting. I was talking with a client the other day about that, um, your HRV, your heart rate variability, which is, um, it's the time between your heartbeats. So say your heart beats 44 times a minute. It's not, you know, it's generally not uniform. The space between those beats as far as the time that has passed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what heart rate variability is measuring. And it's, and it'll tank if you work out really hard and do a really intense workout. It'll drop the next day because you're, you know, it's a stressor on your body and your mind. And if you're having life issues like relationship problems, problems at work, maybe you moved, you just moved homes or something. It's a very stressful thing. It'll reflect in your HRV just like a big workout, which is kind of wild. Well, the thing that I remember uh, when I had to go to Phoenix for work, I think maybe I've talked about this on here before, but when I uh, went to Phoenix for an opera that I was singing in, I was gone for like five and a half weeks and... You know, I'm a kind of a homebody anyway, and I was pretty comfortable <laughs> not being away from home. And so I went away for that, and my HRV tanked. My heart rate when I slept at night went up, stayed up. I mean, the entire time I was gone. If if I go back and scroll through like the um, data, the data in that Oura Ring um, stuff, it just jumps up. You know, and I was sleeping, and my uh, heart rate was because normally my heart rate is in the 40s, and 50s and 60s. The entire time I was gone, you yeah. think I would have, would adjust or something, but the entire time I was gone, you were there for eight weeks, right? Five and a half weeks. Five and a half weeks. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, and it was uh, totally reflected in all that data. Just because I wasn't at home, I was in my bed, I wasn't around you, I wasn't around Daisy, <laughs> like I wasn't around the things that like yeah. make me comfortable. So, stress, stress. And you're, you know, working on that show. Working on that show, and then also working on stuff at the university, and so it just. You know, kind of doing two jobs at once and being away from home. Yeah, and like I stayed in a pretty cool place too. That place was awesome. Yeah, I stayed in a pool house in downtown Arizona. I had downtown Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, downtown Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the and downtown of Arizona. Downtown, the downtown, downtown of Arizona. Arizona. Uh, downtown Phoenix, and uh, had my own pool, and uh, you know it was great, but stressful. So. It was a really neat place. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to someone about Sedona. The other day, too. That was incredibly fun. It was incredibly fun. I just have uh, two friends that are there on their honeymoon in Sedona. So I'm seeing all these pictures come in on Instagram. Man. All the red rocks. And, you know, it's this uh, resort called Enchantment. And it's uh, just nestled down inside these red rocks. Beautiful pool. Um, you know, they have a spa and stuff. And, and I guess things are they're trying to make it as normal as possible with the world as it is. But it made me... Uh, Get the old wanderlust. Oh, I Want to get out there and uh, start traveling again. But that's what we've been talking about on occasion is like, you know, are we ready to get back on a plane? And if we are, we have some credits from a trip that was canceled uh, when COVID started. And oh, get man. back up out there and do something. California or Colorado or someplace. Yeah. We'll that trip was, uh, that was going to be a good one. The Seattle trip? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too. It's like also with the risk of getting on a plane or something you know we always travel to go see a live show live music show that's kind of the I don't know the event that we plan the vacation around Mm -hmm. and now it's kind of like well there's no live show to go see and like I love traveling and going to other places but it's kind of like 
and the other things that we do when we travel to those places is we, you know, we, you know, go out on the town and we, you know, yep. eat the, you know, eat at, you know, the good restaurants and things that are in the city. But are those going to be? We right. don't know. So and and can you even enjoy it if you're nervous the whole time or you're concerned? You maybe you go somewhere and you're like, man, there doesn't look like they're following protocols here. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll see where it takes us, but. Well, we we went to uh, Garden of the Gods. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Southern Illinois trip. Yeah, it was really good. Got, really got remote. A, it was really great, and we got a cabin out in the middle of the woods, and uh, in the middle of a pine forest, and yeah. had a outdoor um, a fire pit, gas fire pit, and grilled out, watched movies, uh, hiked. Did a lot of hiking. Did a lot of hiking. Went to um, Bellsmith Springs as well. I can never remember the name of that place, and that was yeah. my favorite. Uh, yeah, and uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. It was cool, and they had Wi-Fi too, so I was able to do Interspring Yoga PE live stream class. From, from the, the middle of a pine forest. From the middle of a pine forest. <laughs> <laughs> we'll change the scenery from was, uh, McDonald Lane. Yeah, from the weird garage here. Um, that was super cool, though. That was I really cool. enjoyed that. That's why. It was like a three-hour drive. Three-hour three drive. Yeah. And we went to the Garden of the Gods, which basically looks like you're in Arizona or Utah or it something. Feels like anyway. Col- I thought it felt like or Colorado. Colorado. Like anything out west had these, you know, giant gray. The stones were gray. Yeah, and like it stacks, was kind of. And yeah, I, I was shocked by how how mountainous it felt. It's yeah. not. They're not mountains, but you're. Yeah. It's it's no joke. It's yeah. it's cool. You do you kind of forget. You're like, man, we're in Southern Illinois. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That was great. Yeah. So where we're headed next, who knows? But we'll we'll get out, we'll get out there and do something else. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So what else is going on with you? <laughs> uh, what else is going on with me? Well, uh, you know, continuing teaching and all of that is going well. Um, I did an entire day of outside uh, classes. Yeah. On Friday, so we started at ten and I finished up at four. And, uh, you know, it's funny right now, you know, because we are sort of really in the, probably not in the height of fall, but it's, it is fall outside, you know. So when, when you start teaching a class out of doors, you know, uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning, it's maybe 40, like in the high 40s real. or like 50 degrees. And so, you know, you know, we do what we have to do, but it's a, it's a little, little strange to not be distracted by the fact that, you know, people are wearing their coats and hats and things so they're not freezing but um you know and then also you know i'm well I've, i guess everyone knows that i'm i teach music and so i have to set up this keyboard and uh condensation starts to build up on the keyboard oh really so when you're you know when i'm playing or when i'm like playing exercises for students to sing um <laughs> my like fingers will like slip off the keys and things because it's wet and it's also electric keyboard so you have to be careful not to shock yourself <laughs> yeah so uh, anyway, but so that's that's all that's going on with me, and then just uh, been loyal to four B thirty. So I was there every uh, every class this week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and had good workouts. And uh, yeah, we enjoy them. I love them. Yeah, it's great. We did uh, um, med ball yes uh, yesterday. That was yesterday, and then um, we did uh, double kettlebells Monday and Wednesday, I think, and. Um, yeah, it was great. Feel strong and 
worked out. And, yeah, yeah. And we're back up to doing 18 minute EMOMs. We're uh, pre pandemic, it was 21 minutes. Uh, the 18 is seems to be pretty a pretty good uh, amount. Yeah, especially, I mean, some of those workouts in 18, I mean, like, will... They're destroyer. Yeah, yeah, pretty intense. I try Uh, to wave the intensity. It's always going to be a good workout, but some of them are purposefully tough. Yeah. Others are... Fridays was was, uh, not the worst, Um, but if I remember, I think Wednesdays, or maybe Mondays, one of them this week was pretty intense. One of the double kettlebell ones, so... Yeah, well, what else is going on with you? Yoga teacher training... Getting it wrapped up, taught my uh, practical. Uh, I was there for that. It was a wonderful <laughs> class. Wednesday morning at nine a.m. It was great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really fun to do. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm just trying to get better and better. And then we have the final test uh, in a couple weeks, and just wrapping that up. The thing I loved about your uh, your class, it felt very like rooted to the earth. You know, like we did a lot of stuff on the ground um, on the. Floor. It was on the it was on the yoga deck, which was awesome. But um, so uh, you know, after all the four v thirty workouts, all of our own workouts, the stuff that I do on the bike on my own, it was great to uh, you know really get in deep to some stretches. And then we did some of those rolling our glutes out, which was oddly intense. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's funny because people always assume that my yoga is going to be like some kind of ass kicking workout you know because they know I like to work out a lot but it's the opposite you know my my yoga is for recovery mm-hmm. you know to get that parasympathetic nervous system stimulation that rest and digest to get some good stretching in holding for 30 seconds or longer mm-hmm. breath work you know it's it's stretchy it's slow mm-hmm. it's calm with a nice long shavasana on the yoga deck under the big oak tree. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Was it was beautiful. It was a perfect day, too. It was about 70 degrees and sunshine underneath the shade of the tree and on the yoga deck. It was great. I love that. Really I love that yoga deck. Mm-hmm. It's so great practicing outside. And even when it's, like, not ideal conditions, I love it. Like, in August when it was, like, super hot out there. I loved it, man. Take your shirt off, just start sweating. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's like, it's like real. Like you're in the elements. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I feel like I always like I have this like <clears throat> fictional picture in my mind of like some yogi in India on like, top, top of some rocks somewhere. on top of yeah. some rocks, like <laughs> filthy, like super long beard and super long hair, and he's like just out there doing yoga. It's like 120. There's a cobra like cruising by. He doesn't even flinch. You know, that's what I feel like when I'm yeah, when you're in the yoga deck. Feels, re- you know what I mean. Feels real. I feel like that yoga deck is uh, is a feature that I don't think I've seen that anywhere else. Out of all the yoga studios I've ever been to, I don't think I've been to one that has this outside space to practice. You know, maybe there is now because they have been forced to kind of be innovative. But um, yeah, Inner Spring Yoga, good for them. They figured it out. Yeah, it's fantastic. If you want some yoga, <clears throat> I highly recommend Inner Spring Yoga. I mean, I'm obviously biased, but it's my favorite place, and I'm, mm-hmm. it's just uh, the the teaching's always good, no matter who's teaching. It's you know traditional yoga. They have restorative yoga. You know, diff- three different levels of hatha or vinyasa. And, uh, Dustin, that's a hatha. That is correct. Hatha is the correct pronunciation. Hatha. 
with force is what it means. Uh, right. But everyone says Hatha, so, <laughs> you know, when in Rome. I learned that from you. Oh, well, thanks. I learned from uh, Carrie. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're good. So, yoga teacher training. You're finishing yeah. that up. You did your practical. Um, you did your art project. Uh, I did. Which uh, I thought was really well done. Yeah, I could tell you're impressed. Um, <laughs> I was very impressed. It was uh, it was very beautifully done, very beautifully crafted. I think you uh, you know this is all part of your teacher training that you have to do, which was it was an exploration of what of uh, subtle anatomy. Subtle anatomy, which yeah. is chakra chakras chakras, and sort of interconnectedness of the systems within your body. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, there was a beautiful collage that was made uh, from magazine clippings and um, sort of creating people out of many people uh, to explore the idea. What of was that, that stuff that we used? It was, uh, uh, it was a stuff called Mod Podge, Mod Podge. Uh, that you that you used uh, for that, and um, it was uh, the style of that is called decoupage. 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 Yeah, and I, I thought you. Uh, your I took choice, right to it. You took right to it, and your and your choices uh, that you made, I thought, were really effective and brilliant. Um, Thank you. Yeah, noteworthy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had fun doing it. It yeah. was really fun. Yeah, cutting out all the stuff. It was fun. Yeah. Finding cool pictures and things that would work. Yeah, worked. it's nice to. Um, I just realized lately, and that was kind of the beginning of it. Was doing that art project. It's kind of nice to do stuff that you would maybe do when you're younger like even like a child and kind of revisit it as an adult it's really satisfying and like refreshing Absolutely. you know I did that and um, you know I hadn't done like an art project like that since I was probably in high school or something yeah. well not many people know this about me but Dustin certainly knows this about me I have a real I'm not going to say a problem but an affinity towards pencils you do have it's borderline a problem. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and pens and paper. Yeah. I love things like that. And I think the reason why I love things like that is because they're tactile. They are. That you use your hands. You create using your hands. You know? Yeah. And because you know, we spend... You know, I spend... Even now, because when I'm teaching music, the sheer volume of music and the sort of demand to not... Which is good, but to not print as much um, and, uh, you know, not have so much paper um all day every day i'm reading music off of my ipad i'm making marks using my eye pencil you know on you know if i'm you know working on my own music or my students music you know i'll be marking up an ipad and then after i'm done with my ipad i walk over to my computer and i send emails and now especially everything is online anyway so i could go on and on and on like we're not using our hands yeah and so like i love things like pencils and pens and paper and you know and writing and and things like that um just because i get to do that and i felt the same thing like when uh you were working on that art project project it just has this great hands-on tactile creative thing yeah that you just don't you don't run across that anymore you don't do that stuff anymore i think it's a reaction to everything being digitized i'm the same way like i can't i, I just want real yeah. experience yeah. uh you know i don't want to do I don't want to do a workout or yoga online. I want to go to the spot and do it. Be with people. Be with people. I want hear, to like, hear their voice in a room. and Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yesterday I got my skateboard out and went skateboarding. And yeah. 
it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> just like nuts and bolts just, and yeah, feeling wood the, and yeah, for feeling sure. the sidewalk and the road under my feet and like you know maneuvering around things. I don't do anything crazy. I just cruise around. Yeah. And uh, man, it was just so much fun. It was like something I enjoyed thoroughly when I was like nine, ten years old. Yeah. And then in my twenties a little bit, and yeah. then man, it's a simple thing, you know. I mean, that's you know even now where you know they're trying to get us to. Um, to do so much of our stuff online at the university but you know I, I tried to teach my a lot of my stuff online and so now as crazy as it is but my students are doing okay with it we're meeting outside uh, by the dumpsters <laughs> at the school of music because by the dumpsters there is this little concrete wall that kind of creates a cove and so there is some acoustic yeah. in, in the space and, you know, the other day, I'm not kidding. I am not kidding about this. This actually happened. We were out there working and uh, I set up all my stuff and we looked over and realized that someone had left a bottle of piss by the dumpsters. Lovely. And next to the uh, little sort of cove that we have there, this little sort of shell that this uh, concrete area creates, uh, there was also uh, a dead squirrel and a dead bird, both. And, uh, you know, this is also what we're dealing with. But I would prefer that <laughs> over hearing, you know, their voice digitized over, you know, the Internet. And then, like, you don't really hear the overtones. You don't really hear, you know, the completeness of their voice. And you can't really hear the things you need to hear. Truth be told, you can't really hear the ne- things you need to hear because we're also teaching outside at the university, which is about two miles away from the airport. Wow. So you might be in the middle of, you know, doing vo- you know vocalizes or something like that and then... You know, UPS, it's like delivery hour, and it's just one after the other UPS yeah. plane. So. UPS having Louisville. Yeah. That's so, why we get good sushi, though, so that is grateful for them. So it's like a trade-off, you know. It's it like, is. It's how you get your voice good sushi lesson, in your, southern Indiana. Exactly. Your voice lesson is <laughs> fucked up, but have you ever been to DKD? It's great. Because it's great. It's like, wow, we're in southern Indiana, and sushi's that good. Yeah. So, uh... Anyway, yeah, tactile things and, and, and stuff like that. And, and the fact of the matter is, there's, there's nothing like a good pencil. Or, yeah. or 10. Or yeah, you 20. like the feel of it. Or 30 pencils, you know. I'm the same way with kettlebells. <laughs> I always think I have enough, and then I'm like, you know, some 62s would be pretty nice. So I got it's, that, it's that space between the 70 and the 53 it that is. was missing. It was. You know? Yeah. Uh, I have been enjoying those 62s. We worked with the 60. You worked with the 62 today. I did. On the snatches. I worked with the 53. I did two rounds with it, and then had to drop drop down. I did three rounds of the 53 and two rounds of the 44. So. That was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. Uh, so I want to continue. So you yeah. um, are finishing yoga teacher training, practical, our project. Then what's next? What's next is I have the oral and written test. Uh, I have to finish some observation hours of yoga classes. I have to write a couple papers for it. Yeah. Um, and then that'll be all she wrote. Hopefully I pass. My Sanskrit is weak to very weak. Weak to very weak. Yeah. Okay. I got to study up on that. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything's, everything's been going great. Good. Um, let's see. What else? I do have a book here today that I'd give a little, try to give a little value for the podcast. I've been reading Neurodharma by Rick Hansen, Ph.D., New Science, Ancient Wisdom, and Seven Practices of the Highest Happiness. 
Um, I'm a big Rig Hansen fan. He wrote Buddha's Brain, and he's got a podcast I really enjoy. A uh, little background. Rick Hansen, Ph.D., is a psychologist, senior fellow at UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center, and New York Times bestselling author. His books have been published in 29 languages with 900,000 copies in English alone. These include Neurodharma, Resilient, Hardwiring, Happiness, Just One Thing, Buddha's Brain, and Mother Nurture. A summa cum laude graduate of UCLA and founder of the Wellspring Institute for Neuroscience and Contemplative Wisdom, he has been an invited speaker at NASA, Oxford, Stanford, Harvard, and other major universities, and he has taught in meditation centers worldwide. He and his wife live in San Rafael, California, and have two adult children. A little background on Rick. Um, <clears throat> this is from Neurodharma. And I thought this was uh, really excellent. It's, I'll give you a little context. I'll read. It's a little context, and then it is a uh, guided meditation. Letting be, letting go, letting in. Developing a greater sense of fullness, wholeness, and other aspects of awakening involves three kinds of practice. First, you can simply be with whatever you're experiencing, accepting it, feeling it, perhaps exploring it. As you be with it, your experience may change, but you're not trying to nudge it one way or another. Second, you can release what is painful or harmful, such as by easing tension in the body, venting feelings, challenging thoughts that aren't true or helpful, or disengaging from desires that hurt you or others. Third, you can grow what is enjoyable or useful, developing virtues and skills, becoming more resilient, grateful, and compassionate. In a nutshell, let be, let go, let in. If your mind is like a garden, you can observe it, pull weeds, and plant flowers. Of these, letting be is most essential. It's where we start, and sometimes it's all we can do. Just ride out the storm of fear or anger without making things worse. And as practice matures, increasingly we simply be with the next moment as it arises and passes away and becomes something else. But this is not the whole of practice. We can't only be with the mind. We must work with it as well. For example, most of the Eightfold Path in Buddhism involves letting go and letting in, such as releasing unwise speech and replacing it with wise speech. While there are pitfalls in working with the mind, such as getting caught up in fixing oneself, there are also pitfalls in not working with the mind. For instance, I've known people who are good at observing their own minds, and also chronically unhappy, as well as unskillful with others. We shouldn't work with the mind in order to avoid being with it, nor be with the mind to avoid working with it. Letting be, letting go, and letting in form a natural sequence. Perhaps you recognize that you've gotten resentful about something, and you explore this experience and let it be as it is. At some point, it feels natural to shift into deliberately letting go, and you relax your body, help feelings flow, and step back from troublesome thoughts. 
Then in the space made by what you've cleared away, you can let in what could be beneficial, such as self-compassion. Over time, the strengths you develop inside yourself will help you let be and let go even more fully. And to explore this further, you might like to try the meditation in the box, which also contains suggestions for doing experiential practices in general. Let be, let go, let in. In this meditation, and in in the other practices in this book, I'll offer different ways to relate to your experiences and to have ones that could be beneficial. Not all of my suggestions will click for you, and please find approaches that do work for you. For example, you might like to move your body to evoke a particular feeling, or to focus on certain images, or to use words that are different from mine. What's important are the experiences we're having not the methods we use to find our way into them. If it's challenging to have an actual sense of something, such as the feeling of letting go, that is very normal. I've had these challenges myself. If you feel frustrated or self-critical, this is normal too. You can simply acknowledge it to yourself, such as frustrated with this, or being self-critical and then return to whatever you are practicing. If it is hard to get in touch with something, just make a note of it, and if you like, come back to it later. It takes time and repetition to experience the ways of being that we'll be exploring, especially their depths. It really is like climbing a mountain. It's slow at times because it's steep, not because you're doing it wrong or because you can't keep making your way up. Please go at your own pace, and, as a teacher told me many years ago, keep going. You could do the practice below as a kind of meditation. You can also do it informally, in the flow of life, when something, I'll call it the issue, is stressful or upsetting. Adapt it to your needs, and take as much time as you like. Let be. Find something simple that helps you stay present such as the feeling of breathing. Take some moments to feel increasingly centered. Let sounds and sensations, thoughts and feelings pass through awareness. Know what it's like to be with experiences without resisting or holding on to them. When you're ready, focus on the issue especially your experiences related to it. Be aware of thoughts you have about it, emotions related to it, perhaps naming them softly to yourself, such as tightening, worry, irritation, softening. Accept these thoughts and feelings, letting them flow, letting them be, Whether it's pleasant or painful, try to accept your experience as it is. If something is overwhelming, focus on breathing or anything else that is calming and soothing. You are still here. You are okay. Be aware of body sensations related to the issue. Wishes and wants and plans related to it, letting them be, 
letting them flow. You can explore deeper layers, such as hurt or fear beneath anger. Younger parts of yourself, feeling it all, letting it all be. Let go. When it feels right, shift into releasing. Be aware of any tension in your body related to the issue and let it ease and soften and relax. Let feelings flow, perhaps imagining them leaving you like a little cloud each time you exhale. Recognize any inaccurate, exaggerated, or limiting thoughts and disengage from them, letting go. Be aware of desires related to the issue, such as unrealistic goals or understandable longings that are just not going to be fulfilled. And breath after breath, let these go. You can also let go of unhelpful ways of speaking or acting. Breath after breath, let it go. Let it all go. Let in. Then focus on what could be useful, wise or enjoyable. Perhaps there is a sense of comfort or reassurance that would feel good to open to, or gratitude, love, or self-compassion. Taking it, taking it in as you inhale, receiving whatever is good into yourself. Perhaps there's a spaciousness in your mind, like the sky after a storm passes. There could be an easing in your body. Stay with these experiences, giving yourself over to them. You might invite a sense of strength or determination. You could identify thoughts or perspectives about the issue that are true and helpful. And open to any intuitions or the voice of inner wisdom. There could be a growing clarity about how you'd like to act in the days ahead. Let whatever is helpful sink in. All these good things establishing themselves in you. Let them spread inside you. All these good things sinking into you. So that was from Neurodharma by Rick Hansen. What'd you think about that? I thought <clears throat> it was great, and I, uh, you know, I, I like I like the stuff that I've, you know, I've tried to start. He's a, he wrote Buddha's Brain. Mm-hmm. I started Buddha's Brain on a couple of occasions, but uh, you know, for various reasons, haven't gotten into it like I want to. But I like what he has to say, and um, you know, his intersection of. Buddhism and science and I think it's all great 
um, you know, the thing that it sort of brought up in me <clears throat> hearing that and, you know, also that uh, meditation of sor- sorts that kind of came at the end is there's two things is just relating it to my own experience in the world is, you know, I'm sorry if I talk about this ad nauseum, but, you know, I'm a singer and, uh, you know, um, starting March 13th, everything shut down and not only did everything shut down, but like any sort of gigs or anything that I had went away. And um, I had really conflicting, you know, feelings about that. And um, I mean, it was really sad and whatever, but like, I kind of stopped singing, you know? And um, so if you stop singing, it's just like if you stop working out, it's like if you stopped walking, if you decide to stop using your right arm or whatever, it's gonna atrophy. It's not gonna stay as healthy and strong as you want it to. And so, you know, my entire life is built around that sort of thing. Anyway, the process of getting things back to where they need to be, um, much of that related to that process for me. The uh, thing, you know, sort of the self-talk, the way you're acting, things like that, that, you know, those small changes, but how you're approaching whatever issue that that is that you're having um, will make all the difference in the world, you know. And, um, you know, the other thing he's talked about (laughs) in there is, uh, which is, it's so funny because I spend my whole day as a teacher, saying to my students, keep going, keep going, do not stop, do not stop. And it's somewhat what you do, actually, you know, when people are in the middle of a workout, just keep moving. If you're moving, you're getting better, you know. And, um, you know, it's difficult for me as, uh, it's also the same for young, for young singers who are just starting, but, you know, as I'm kind of like coming out of this hiatus, I know how things should sound, how things need to sound, sort of like professional standards and things like that. And it's very easy to stop. You know, it's very easy just to say, fuck it, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, um, I and, like the analogy he used of it's a mountain. Yeah, exactly. It's a mountain. Yeah. Sometimes it's slow and it sucks. And, yeah. you know, there's no like, you know, he mentioned like if you have these self-critical thoughts of like, am I doing it right? And it's like, no, just keep going. Just keep going. Keep climbing. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's and steep. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, you know, one of the, I, there's this great, uh, this great, it's a two-minute clip on uh, on YouTube by this guy named Ira Glass. Do you know who Ira Glass oh, yeah. is? Yeah, yeah, from This American Life. Um, I also talk about this a lot when I teach, and so sometimes I wonder if I've already said it on here as well. It's worth repeating. It's It's always worth repeating, right? (laughs) If it's that good, it's worth repeating. Is uh, is his? uh, There's this little clip about creativity, and it's hard for people. And I I think it relates not just to creativity. I think it's many other things. Everyone has in their mind what it should be. You know, everyone has in their mind. for a singer, they, they, they sort of know what it is that they are, they are supposed to be and supposed to sound like. Um, and that's the hardest thing for beginners because the reason why you are where you are, the reason why you are doing the things that you're doing, enrolled in a, in a, in a music program at a you know, higher education institution or um, you know, wherever you are on the path, the reason why you're there is because you have taste, because you have ideals, you, know, you have ideas about um, you know your your place in the in the business or in the art or whatever that is, and that very thing the reason th- that you have these ideas about this great taste and 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 idea about what things things should be can be the biggest inhibitor of your work 
because it's the thing that will shut you down. Because the work, it's hard work. It's climbing that steep mountain. But because you have this idea and because you're surrounded by these things that like, you know that that's where you have to end up if you want to have a career, if you want to sort so of make the, make the kind of music that you want to make or, or, or be engaged in the art like you need to be or want to be, whatever that is. That is the thing that is the quickest way to shut you down during the work because the work is slow. The work is hard. The work is tedious, you know, is intricate. It's minutia. It's, you know, really small working parts. And because you are blessed with, you know, with an ear for music or, or an ear for good, fine art, whatever that is, that very thing can shut you down. Um, so changing how you think, you know, like uh, your, the self-talk or the, you know, or the actions that, that might inhibit your work, changing that and acknowledging it, seeing what that is and, and sort of moving past that or changing those small things. One of the things that, you know, as I'm moving out of this hiatus and like getting my voice back in shape and, you know, I mean, like where I'm starting is, is in a pretty good spot, you know, but it's, it's not as, as free as it, you know, always has been and things because I took about four months off, um, is, uh, I started this Vakai project, you know, which is this, uh, um, program that is, uh, has been during COVID times has been started by this coach that I worked with in New York City, and um, we're working through the Vakai, which is the um, this practical method of vocalises for singers, and um, one one of the one of the hardest things to do is to slow down and to really go back to fundamentals. The very first day of the Vakai project that I'm working on with Rochelle Yonk is the girl's is the woman's name. She's uh, from South Africa, I think South Africa. I hope I'm not making that up. That's I think is where she's from. Um, the very first day is one note Monday. It's singing one note, you know, sustained, you know, over a long time, twelve beats, something like that. And for someone who's been singing professionally for the past twenty years, singing one note. And that's it. Not worrying about words, not worrying about creating art, not just singing one note. That's all you're doing. Um, can be because like, like what Rick was saying, you know, the, the things that you're saying to yourself or the actions that you're doing um, can, can really inhibit what that is there for. You know, um, I think I'm understanding what he, what he was saying. Right. But um, it sounds to me like you're kind of describing, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the most beneficial thing for you, I think in working out or in uh, training yourself as a singer or practicing is focusing on the process at hand Absolutely. and not focusing on the end result. Yeah. Focusing on the end result will, will, is a detriment to so, your yeah. progress. Yeah. You know, if you look at the, a workout and say, Jesus, I got to do a hundred kettlebell snatches, it's, it has an effect on you. You mm-hmm. go, I don't want to, man, that's a lot. I don't want to do that. This is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. If you're like, I got to do five on this side right now and actually I just have to do one right now and then I'm going to do another one and you stay completely it's kind of like a microcosm really of yeah. Buddhism in, in reality you know it's like focus right now on this moment what you have to do one kettlebell snatch yeah. now I have to do one more and it's it get it's, it has an effect on you that makes it much easier and allows you to progress much further it's so funny yeah. how like I mean it doesn't it, it doesn't matter what it is right know? it it's, doesn't it's, matter it's, you it's have like, to focus is, on the process yeah 
the the right now while you're doing it the process of doing it you know, and then, and then, you know, so this, this one note Monday turns into two note Tuesdays, you know, where we talk about, you know, this other, this other stuff. And then we have, we add on, add on, add on. And then, you know, and then after I did it for two, probably, you know, two or three weeks, I started, you know, looking at my, you know, these giant cabinets full of music, started pulling some stuff out and I started putting together a recital and, you know, like, because my voice was feeling back in shape and feeling better and things like that because I really forced myself to really focus on the process and really... On the fundamentals. On the fundamentals and really getting back to basics to get the very thing that is necessary for me to do the thing that I need to do, you know, where it needs to be. And, uh, yeah, climbing that mountain and knowing that that there are going to be moments that are pretty slow. But um, But you've got to keep going. you got to keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Do not stop. So... Yeah, it's a. Uh, I really, I really like this uh, neurodharma book. It's real. That's real practical. Um, I I heard him either mention it on his podcast or I might have read it in the book. He he kind of has another way of uh, framing what he's talking about and all this stuff. These talk these meditations or or drills or techniques. He's he's talking about however you want to name it. It's based in neuroscience, right? Your brain's plastic. Um, whatever you basically hold in your mind and you give a, your attention to, it's going to change your brain and it's going to change you, right? That's what he's talking about, you know, let be. That's the first step is just kind of acknowledging, right? Just objective reality, kind of seeing what you're feeling, noticing it, and then, you know, identifying stuff that's detrimental to you. Um, I don't want to say negative because that's like adding a judgment value to it, mm-hmm. but I'd say detrimental to whatever your goal is, happiness or, you know, accomplishing a task Yeah. and letting that, like noticing it first, letting that go and then letting in, you know, when you do have a positive or not positive, beneficial, Effective, yeah. a beneficial yeah. uh, thought, feeling, emotional state then you're kind of blowing on that ember to stoke that fire. Mm-hmm. And that's changing your brain. I mean, it's structurally changing your brain, and it's just, which is going to change you. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, That's what's amazing about it. I mean, and I think this research is probably only kind of came out in like the last 20 years or so about the brain. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know, you know, you, I relate everything to working out, that if you add a certain stimulus with weights, you're, <laughs> you're going to get a response, right? And you can train that, which is so cool. But now we know, like, that's possible with your brain, too. You know, it's the same thing. You can do it. You can change yourself. You can make your life better. You can relieve your own suffering, which in turn relieves suffering of people all around you because you're making yourself better. Um, That's why I love his stuff. It's always real practical, and it, uh, it links in. But anyway, the whole point of where I was going with that, he has another acronym called HEAL which I've been using a lot um, in my yoga classes that I teach. And I've been uh, really ramping up my gratitude practice, which I found very beneficial for me personally. And I use his technique in the yoga. Uh, have is the first letter. So you have the experience. Uh, bring into your mind something you're grateful for, person, place, or thing. Enrich is the E. So then you think about why. Why am I grateful for it? So you enrich that experience, that thought, that feeling. And then absorb. 
and you imagine absorbing it into your body, right? You're holding it in there, you're stoking that fire of this flame, right? And then the, the last one is Link, which I haven't tried yet, um, which is, he talks about, so once you have this gratitude or this positive feeling stoked up, then you bring into mind something that was hard, traumatic, maybe you had a traumatic experience, something negative. And it's supposed to kind of, the way I understand it, since you have that gratitude or the positive feeling stoked up, when you link that negative, it takes kind of takes power away from it. Mm -hmm. um, the way I sort of understand uh, memories, the way it works is, if you think of your brain sort of like a computer, it pulls a file up, and that's this memory, right? So it could be something traumatic. And if you can then have link it up with this positive thing, it changes the file. Mm -hmm. So when your brain puts that memory back, the next time it gets, oh, oh yeah. next time it gets triggered, or so you think of that memory, it comes back, it's a different file now, you've linked it up. And I haven't tried that technique yet, and I feel like maybe you'd wanna to go to a psychologist but you could try it on your own. Is that Neurodharma? That's the same book? It's the same book, Neurodharma. I either, I think I read it in there or I heard him talk about it. It's definitely from Rick Hansen. Um, and, uh, but like, he also said that just going to the absorb uh, portion is very beneficial. And specifically about gratitude? Heal? Not specifically about gratitude. You could use any, any kind of positive, yeah. any kind of beneficial. Yeah. So it can thought. be about that, that experiences too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You could bring in a just calmness, right? Or you yeah. could just compassion or meta, like loving kindness. Um, so you could insert whatever content you want there yeah. at the beginning. It's, it's heal, have, enrich, absorb, and then the optional L, link. Yeah. Um, which could be really beneficial for someone that's dealing with trauma-based mm -hmm. uh, memories and stuff like that, in my opinion. I am... A lay <laughs> lay practitioner or whatever um, not a professional on that uh, topic but uh, that's about all I have you got anything else you want to talk about um I don't think so uh, we had some delicious kombuchas we did shout out to uh, GT's kombucha yeah ginger aid always for the win post workout so good great price at Sam's Club in Clarksville <laughs> <laughs> Historic Clarksville. Yep, historic yep. Clarksville, Indiana. So, yeah, but I think that's all I got, too. All right. Mm -hmm. Namaste. Namaste.